0: Again, what a blessing it is to be here with you all. Um, it's an honor to, to come and to give a sermon. Uh, it's an honor because it's, for me, it's, it's not just me talking to you, uh, but I want it to be a discussion. There's so much wisdom in this room. So why can't we come and discuss in the mornings... Celebrate God, celebrate life, and how He's working in each of our lives. So this morning, um, as I look, and we're going over Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to ask if you want to read that with me. I will be reading from Galatians 5, verse 13 through 26. It reads, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. So, today we continue our journey in the book of Galatians. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Jeb focused on the new covenant that we received by God, a covenant that is built by the grace of God, not on law or human ideas or the things of our own creation. Our covenant, and indeed our faith, are of God, and come from God alone. So today, as you read Galatians 5, Paul again addresses the issues, or the issue of whom they are a slave to. Is the church in Galatia a slave to the law? A slave to sin? Or do they have freedom in Christ Jesus? Paul's repetition helps us to understand and be clear as we read Galatians 5.1, it reads, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Here's how I used to see freedom uh, in my own life. Before I went to college, I was not free. While I lived at home, we had these things called rules, you may have heard of them. Uh, it seems that no matter how old you are, if you live at home, you live under certain conditions and rules that are enforced by these people called parents. But one day, when my parents grew tired of me and wanted me out of the house, I'm just kidding. My parents loved me very much. You know, <laughs> I didn't give them that hard of a time. You know, but I decided to go to college. After high school, I went to college, and there, there is nobody to tell you when I'm supposed to go to bed, when I need to wake up. I can choose the classes that I want to take, and I can also choose to go to them or not to go to them. All the rules and restrictions that were placed when I was a minor are no longer in place. I now had freedom. See, but the question is, is how did I use my freedom? How do you use your freedom? I could use my freedom to party, to have a good time. Any college you go to, um, you'll find. If that's what you're looking for, that's what you're going to find. I could use it to get the best possible education I could get. Straight A's. I have to admit, I have to be honest with you, I did not get straight A's. Um... (laughs) You know, and I'm kicking myself in the butt for it, but, you know, that's where we live. We live and we choose. Or we fall somewhere in the middle. We do a little bit of good. We also do a little bit of bad. This morning, that's exactly the issue that we're going to look at. I want to discover together three things. First, a recap of what Pastor Jeb has been talking about. Why we are not a slave to the law. Then a comparison of being a slave to sin and having freedom in Christ. And most important, how do we live that out? So being a slave to the law, as we recap what Pastor Jeb has talked about, Galatians 2 verse 20 and 21 is a beautiful gist of what Paul is trying to make clear. It says that, I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Here's what the Christian life is not about. It's not about keeping the law. It's not about keeping a series of rules because it doesn't work. Nobody's good enough. It's a losing battle. The message of the Bible isn't that you should be good and God will accept you. See, we are no longer obligated to keep the law in order to be accepted by God. We are set free from keeping the law as a means of salvation. We do not have to add anything to what Jesus has done in order to be accepted by God. Jesus paid the entire price, our penalty, our death. I compiled a list of decisions in my life that I wanted to share with you. I share these with you so we can get an understanding of two ways we can be lost. One is being a slave to the law. And the other is a slave to sin. We have all faced, we've all been faced with decisions. Choices to go to the right, to go to the left. Good, bad, gratifying my sinful nature, or walking in the spirit. Some of these choices, some of these decisions are of minimal consequence, and some of them are major. Um, The list I'm about to share starts from, you know, a very early age, you know, when I was young, um, to even decisions that I make in my life right now. It's about ten things. Uh, The first one, should I steal the piece of candy that I do not have the money for? Should I hit my sisters when they make me angry? Should I lie to my parents about hitting my sisters? (laughs) Should I do the things my parents ask of me: cut the grass, do the dishes, take out the trash? How do I control myself, and would I allow myself to look at the Internet, to look on in the Internet? How do I control my wondering eyes? What are the choices? Should I go to this party? whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs? Should I sneak out of the house when I don't have permission to go out? Should I show up to class or should I skip? Do I spend less time on video games, TV, movies, and more time on God? How do I control my temper towards my wife, in an argument careful of the things I say and do when I reflect on my own life and think about being a slave to the law that sounds exhausting having to check off everything hoping you did good enough so that you can go to heaven I am thankful for the grace of God that he showed us By sending His Son to pay the penalty of my sin. That my salvation doesn't come from me alone. Doesn't come from anything I do. But it's because of what He did on the cross. There's a song that sums up perfectly. It's called, uh, Lord, I Need You by Matt Mayer. I'm just going to read the second verse in the chorus. And it reads... Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. I need you. Every hour, I need you. You are my one defense. You are my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. You see, Christ is our defense. He is our righteousness. We can never attain holiness on our own. Having a relationship with Christ is what is needed, not religion. We can't check off certain things in a box and say, all right, God, I did all these good things. Am I in? To put it differently, we do not obey God in order to be accepted. But we do obey as a result of being accepted. Having being accepted, we need to give God our all. But there's a problem when we look at this and, um, because if we don't, Have to obey in order to be accepted by God does that mean we can live any way we want what's to stop us from living a a life of sin and evil if we're not under the law what should guide our conduct so slave to sin versus freedom in Christ we are not under the law so we now have freedom to do whatever we'd like Paul knows that this is what some of the people of the church are thinking. So he says in the passage, and he makes it very clear, he says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as opportunities for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And then in verse 19 and 21, he makes it even clearer. This is what freedom in Christ is not about. He writes, Now the works of flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not use your freedom from the law as an excuse to live any way you'd like and to indulge your sinful nature. Paul is very clear what he's talking about in verses 19 to 21. He gives us a list of vices, of things that we shouldn't do. These things come naturally to our fallen human nature. And they're not very pretty. The, The temptations that come our way and gratify our own sinful nature... The list of struggles that I have shared with you is of my own sinful nature. Areas of my life where I need more of God and less of me. Then Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wait, so, we we said that Jesus plus nothing equals acceptance with God We have Christ we don't do anything and we are accepted by God Now we're now Paul's saying that we need to trust in Jesus and if we trust in Jesus and we do these things then we're out And Paul says yes Why is that Because good works are not the basis of our acceptance with God But they are the result of it. If Jesus is truly in our lives, he will transform us so that this list does not reflect our own life. See, God accepts us the way we are, but he doesn't leave us there. So what does freedom in Christ look like? If true freedom isn't about indulging the sinful nature and doing whatever we'd like, what is it? And so Paul tells us in verse, verses 13 and 14, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Later on, Paul gives a description of the types of things we will notice in our lives if we live by the Holy Spirit's power and true freedom we know these as the fruit of the spirit love, joy peace, patience, kindness goodness, gentleness faithfulness and self-control true freedom is not about satisfying our own selfish desires true freedom expresses itself in serving and loving through the Holy Spirit Paul says that love is the fulfillment of the whole law If we look at the Ten Commandments, we can see how the first four deal with your love of God. How God is to be priority. You shall have no other God before me. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Do not take the Lord uh, of your God's name in vain. I mean, the first four are about how to love God, the last six are how to love people. How do you love your neighbor? Don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't, don't lie. Every command is about loving your neighbor. See, but you can keep all these commandments and still not really love your neighbor in your heart. That's why the law isn't enough. That's why we need the gospel. See, the gospel gives us a new heart, a change. That comes from the inside out. We are being made into a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. We are given the Holy Spirit to change us and to mold us. Notice the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. This is what the Spirit produces in our lives if we surrender to Him. True freedom is experience, experiencing the Spirit's power as we are transformed from the inside out. The only way to receive the fruit of the Spirit is to stay close to the Spirit, to walk in step with the Spirit, and to trust that He will give us the fruit of our Spirit in our lives if we depend on Him. This is true Christian freedom. It's not about indulging our sinful nature. True freedom expresses itself through serving and through love, not in satisfying our own selfish desires. You see, the law becomes something good when we are transformed by the Holy Spirit. We are not under the law. We're also not free to indulge a sinful nature. Instead, we're free to love and to be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with all this? How do we apply it to our lives? That is the most important thing in looking at the scriptures. A lot of times it can become head knowledge. I know for me growing up as I was in Sunday school, I had to memorize every book of the Bible. I had to, mem- I had to know how many people wrote it. I had to know the years. I had, to know- I had to know this, this, and this, and that. had a bunch of knowledge in my head. It ain't going to do me no good if I'm not being changed from the inside out. If it's just being stuck in my head as facts. If I'm not applying it to my life. So how can we walk with the Spirit? We truly cannot change our hearts unless we are allowing the Holy Spirit to change them. Simplest way I can say this is Matthew Chapter 4, verse 4. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I'll finish with this last thought. My father, um, he's a pastor, and he uses this story a lot. And I love it because it's just simple. And so I've heard it all my life, um, and I'm using it now. It's about a Cherokee elder who was teaching his grandchildren about life. He said to them, a fight is going on inside me. It is a terrible fight between two wolves. One wolf represents fear, anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, hatefulness, and lies. The other stands for joy, peace, love, hope, humbleness, kindness, friendship, generosity, faith, and truth. This same fight is going on inside of you and inside every other person too. The children thought about it for a minute. Then one child asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The Cherokee elder replied, the one you feed. So you have a choice of what you are feeding your heart. Evaluate your walk with God. How often am I returning to the scriptures? How often am I praying? How am I allowing God to talk to me and I talk to him? And as we discover today, our lives are not our own. We live to love and to serve one another through the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that with one hand we say, Lord, Lord, feed me. Feed me. So we come to church, we come to Bible studies, we, we, we daily walk in the scriptures, we have our daily quiet times, we do scripture memory, we have a strong prayer life. Lord, feed me. And with the other, we are feeding others. We are teaching others the truths that we've discovered about God. Teaching is one of the best ways God will continue to work in your life. I can tell you some of the questions the youth have asked me are not easy. And me being responsible for what I am teaching motivates me to bring my A-game. So in closing, we don't obey. We don't obey God in order to be accepted. But we do obey as a result of being accepted. Having being accepted... Give God your all. What are you doing to give God your all? Amen.